0: to conversation with h we have the founder and overseer of NCM, new covenant ministries we also have an author of grounded building a firm foundation in christ a social worker by profession who runs excel midlands which is a supported housing for adults he has been featured on the bbc in the birmingham mail and most recently he's missed a workout during lockdown (laughs) the apostle the man of god Mr
1: Emmanuel Adaseco. How are you doing today sir? I'm good I'm good thank you thank you for having me on as well thank
0: you. I've said to people who do you want me to kind of have a conversation with who do you want me to kind of get to know Yeah. Apostle Emmanuel, (laughs) Apostle Emmanuel we need Apostle Emmanuel I'm like okay I'll reach out I know he's busy no just email him get 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 to him but for those who don't know who you are who is Emmanuel Adaseco?
1: Emmanuel, me, uh, beyond all of this stuff, I, w- I would say I'm quite a simple guy, um, laid back, um, love to love to eat, love to play football. Um, I would say, yeah, just calm, you know, uh, focused, motivated. I would say I'm a people person, but at the same time, I like my own space at times as well. So I'm an ambivert, something they call it ambivert yeah. kind of thing. Uh, what else, support Arsenal. Uh, uh. Color is, I know, I know, it's not going well already. <laughs> 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 but <laughs> uh, favorite color is blue. I, I'm just, I'm just about helping people. To be honest with you, mm. love to laugh as much as you know. The apostle this and Apostle that. Those who know me know I like to be, I like to be silly. I like <laughs> to mess around. Um, because uh, you know things are serious around me or, or quite serious around me mm. all the time so you know but yeah cool I'm calm must say, vibrant creative mm. I think I'm a thinker definitely that's, that's, that's me
0: that's amazing so when does the kind of the Christian journey start for you and where does it start
1: mm. so I've I mean I'm 32 now I you know I grew up in a Christian family mm. uh, we, we go to the catholic you know mass on a sunday and then we went to the pentecostal thing but i think where it really started for me was when i I was about 12 just just about 12 years old because i was having like these you know i I would pray you know i would uh, have these kind of experiences with god which i didn't really realize were that significant to older life but yes my goal was actually to play professional football okay so i was i was about 14 years old where i decided okay i want to follow this kind of thing and i was doing quite well i was playing for a team in Northampton um, and then I got scouted to play for like like the under 18s team like Northampton and like, during that time you know my mum would take me to church and I just remember I don't know if you remember um, Dragon Ball Z yes. and that kind of stuff yes. so like was around at the time where that was on Cartoon Network and, and whatnot and the reason I'm mentioning it is because School'd finish. I'd go to training yep. or I'd go home. But literally, what happened is I'd get home for about four o'clock. Um, Dragon Ball Z would be on at like four or five, and then no, I'd spend a bit of time in prayer, then then watch that. Hmm. And this would this would be kind of my lifestyle. But then I started to have these kind of experiences with God, which I didn't realize until I started to tell my mom. Okay. And um, long story short, during that time, that's when you have like the raving, like the nappy nights and that kind of stuff. And hmm. it just was. It was like. I was pursuing the football but at the same time I could literally feel God's call at that point Mm. which was odd because I don't really have any Christian friends like that until I met one of my friends when I was about about 15 and a half yeah and um long story short you know I was my mum went to this conference Benny Hinn conference I didn't know it was Benny Hinn at the time but there was something in me that was just desiring God basically Mm. and um I just remember saying to God one time like listen meet up with me you know like if you're really who you are meet up with me and that conference I'll never forget it because that conference I don't know if you know Benny Hinn but Benny Hinn is like (laughs) (laughs) and I never knew anything about like falling under the power of the spirit but that day you know I experienced like the power of God for the first time that I can meant I can remember
0: Mm.
1: and then from there this kind of thing like started to really trigger in me and you know i want to i want to follow god and whatnot and then literally from there um i become an usher somehow they tricked me in my church to become an usher because <laughs> so they said you're a good usher so I, I joined the ushering team and then from there they put me as a sound boy and then th- during that time i was just like i need to do something for young people i spoke to my bishop at the time mm. he said yeah I was about 16 years old, we started a, a youth center called Truth Youth Center Met on Saturdays, six to eight. Mm. And literally what happened is, is that from there, like one of my friends, this guy, still my friend till today, you know, um, we'd play games, then we would preach the gospel, then we'd invite people for prayer. And we just would copy the older people, we'd lay hands mm. upon them and pray. And people started to fall <laughs> under the power of God and start to get touched. And, you know, people got saved through that. And then from there, you know, I went to university, started a campus fellowship and then you know uh, the revival my friends started a revival prayer meeting in Northampton become like a revival gathering become a church I was about 18 you know um, they asked me to come and support and then from there and what's crazy is that during the first year of university I you know I left Birmingham, Mm. come to Birmingham and you know cut the long story short there was different temptations but for some somehow like I knew that the encounter I experienced with God that my revelation of God was real it was not my mom's God or whatever mm. and then I spent a lot of time just like with God in the first year and that really built a foundation my friend had the revival meetings I came down to help out I ended up you know being one of the leaders it become a church becoming like got into ministry like that I was about eighteen years old when wow. I became a pastor, <laughs> so it was early. I'm telling you, it was it was it was eighteen. Nuts. That's kind of eighteen years old. We was young, anointed, you know. But there's a literally it was a prayer meeting that become a revival, mm. and then and into a church full of young adults, and that was what, like the beginning of like what I understand ministry to be about. And you know, it was not orthodox. It mm. was not, but it, you know. I learned so much, and I'm still learning. Even the stuff that I'm doing now is based on some of the lessons that I've learned from from those things that happened in 2000 and what, 2006, 2007. So, wow. Yeah.
0: So you spoke about the football journey. When did that? When did you kind of stop going in that direction? And just was it like you stopped going in that direction and focusing on Christ, or was there kind of a,
1: a tipping point for you? Yeah. So it was nothing like God is not against football, but mm. it was it was a strange thing because I was pursuing that. And at that point, I could see like I was an usher in the church and I started to share the gospel with people and start to preach and all this kind of stuff. And people were getting touched by God. And people kept saying, You know, you're going to be a pastor one day. You're going to be a pastor. I'm like, No, I am going to play football until I'm like this age. I'm going to get married and get settled, and this is what's going to happen. And but but I could actually feel the call, I could really, I could even me myself. So there was a point whereby um, I actually was playing for Northampton. I moved to play for Kettering yeah. And I was training with the first team. And um, long story short, the manager actually had been been sacked at that point. So I was me and another guy was in the like the lineup to be to to, to get into the first team. Mm. Um, that didn't go through, and then I got injured. Uh, and one of those things where I was like, okay, I know that this has been a passion of mine, but I can feel that God wants me to really. Preach, so mm. I I really felt this was the way that God wants me to go, and it was a bit of a wrestle because ultimately I love football. Yeah, I, I can imagine. Better, but I could feel I, just from the way some of these doors were closing and the way that people were coming to cries. So I was like, okay, you know, let me let me let me move. You know, and and I did, and I still play football in university. I played football. It was a good way to you know when you when you were all right, people respect you as well. So that's another door. <laughs> so from yeah from about from about seven from about 18 years old that's when i just said you know i'm gonna focus on you know getting my education Mm. and i'm just gonna accept because it was becoming very evident that you know the way god was moving that this was definitely something that i need to focus on
0: wow that and and you know what it is as well when i speak to a lot of people they don't normally talk about doors closing first to open other ones they always talk about this, this door opened over here so i moved into that you said i saw that door was closing which meant i needed to pursue this thing that was that was clear and evident in, in how i felt and what god was calling me to do
1: yeah it's a, it's you know and the thing is that some people are called to play professional football mm-hmm. i was pursuing it and i was not doing bad at all i was doing pretty well the thing is is that i could see how god was moving and how the young people were coming up and, and all that kind of stuff and and yeah it, it was it was too obvious so mm. it was one of them bittersweet things where I love what God is doing but also at the same time I can see that certain doors are closing and I have to embrace it you know so and I do not at that point it was a wrestle but looking at how my life has gone I'm so grateful wow. I was so grateful that I did you know so
0: so how do you get to becoming you know the pastor and an overseer of new covenant ministries how does that because you talked about the revival you talked about yeah. you and your friend at the age of 18 being pastors but how do you get to start
1: in new covenant ministries Ooh, so i mean during that period of time i was a part of that church for like since 2018 so in 2000 no 2008 Eight. yeah till like 2011 okay so. three years at a time you know um now the thing is is that I was a part of the pastoral team in that church, was in university and all that kind of stuff. And at 2012, God started to speak to me about, you know, new covenant, like this this word new covenant. Mm. And it was hitting me, it was hitting me, it was hitting me. And I'm like, okay, I'm studying, it, I'll pray about it, but that was not enough. Mm. So at that point, because we was already in like the ministerial thing, it was a matter of, okay, they they wanted to open up a branch in Birmingham, okay. in other places and stuff like that, and I was like, Lord, please let me just be obedient, <laughs> follow, follow this, you know. Yeah. But then God was really speaking to me about like this movement and mm. that, and the other. I was like, God, this battle now, you know. God help me to forget this thing or put it down, but I could not. Wow. So 2012, when I was doing, I was working as a youth worker in Northampton, and I was a part of the um. I was like, at that point. The leadership changed over. So I was interim pastor for a particular season before the new couple came in. Hmm. I was just I, I had to just submit to it and start writing the vision down, you know, of a movement. And as I as I wrote it down, more hmm. peace started to come. And I started to speak to my pastor, my bishop at the time. I was like, you know, Bishop, I'm this is what's going on in my mind. You know, I don't I'm not trying to say I want to leave the church or anything like that um but this is what's happening because you know when you're young and you're in ministry like there's a lot of pride Mm. so you know we was young you know become pastors at like 18 my god we're anointed look at we're not bad looking as well look at us we've arrived and then god humbles you (laughs) then god humbles you and shows you that listen you're not you're not all that Mm. so i kind of was by that time 2011 i was really delivered from that kind of prestige of Ministry, so I wasn't really desiring it. I was, I was even quite tired as well. So that was not the time for me really to be starting anything. Mm. But that was the time that God was speaking to me, and and I feel like God did it in such a way because I didn't want to to do anything at that point. I didn't want to do like something in my own name because I tried and failed, and also I wasn't, you know, like I said, God can humble you. Mm. I spoke to my bishop, and he just said, "Listen, whatever God is telling you to do, whether you start a branch." Uh, with our church and that's why i found god for bishop bishop david he's an amazing man Mm. he said um whether you started there in that one or your one i see your heart just don't frustrate the grace of god Mm. so that gave me a lot of peace so i submit and i was writing detailed plans of something i've not even seen you know and then um, I was doing, I did a master's 2013 mm-hmm. for two years. So uh, two years, and I was just traveling around, still connected to the church in Northampton. Then I, I, after that, I joined the church called Gateway Church mm-hmm. um, in, in Birmingham. And, you know, Pastor John, he was amazing. He said, listen, as long as we keep a relationship, you know, you can stay here as long as you like and just grow and just be, just when, when you're ready to launch out, you go. Mm. So literally what happened is, is that, 2015 came my other mentor was like emmanuel it's time to stop like i'm not married i've not gone to bible school please let me <laughs> give me you know <laughs> please, please. all my insecurities all my fears were like just please you know so but what happened is is i then um god gave me a book to write so i've written this this book in um, 2015 mm. uh July, August, September. And then I did a program based upon the book in 2016. Mm. Um, and then what happened that grounded based upon that and people were coming. So I was like, oh my God, they're responding. You know, they're, they're responding. I was. It sounds odd because when you want to start something, you, yes, you start by faith, but also there's the elements of you that, you know, uh, that have been humbled. So you just kind of, you, you're kind of delivered from the desire to try and be seen. Mm. So. People, people were coming and then it was so powerful. People were being delivered and then they're like, what's happening next? It was an eight-week program. They're like, what's happening next? And I'm like, we'll see. We'll see. But I know, and God knows that this is the plan. So yeah. long story short, we did some more Thursday meetings and eventually I just accepted the 24th of uh, September 2017. Let's just do it. And as soon as I accepted the decision to move forward, I felt this peace Mm -hmm. and also I felt this power it was like it was like embracing identity Mm -hmm. we launched it we did it in the YMCA and yeah God has been moving he's been moving he's been moving in the people we've moved from there now he moved into a school it was like 50 people that met up at the beginning Mm -hmm. about 30 no about probably 10 people that met up in the bible studies then 20 then 15 it's about you know over 100 or something now people mm. that you know are a family now you know and we still we're still got work to do but it's a community you know and I'm, I feel privileged to look at the journey to be honest with you
0: so how would you describe your almost four years as you know overseer and what have you learned about yourself as the pastor in that time
1: Ooh, <sighs> I mean you think you you think you have the love of Christ until you start a church <laughs> it's been a it's been amazing it's Mm. been absolutely amazing to to see something that started off as a as a vision Mm. become reality and just the way God has connected me and different people together um it's been so powerful to miracles testimonies healings family deliverance so many things people come into Christ who are not Christians people come into Christ who you know from another faith it's been it's, it's un I think it's such a privilege as a pastor to see stories and to hear stories there's certain things that you don't get to see uh, you know in a in a, in a day, to, day in you know day day job kind of mm. thing challenges it's been a it's been a challenge sometimes you know um uh, there's been times where you know i'm I, I get tired you know I don't always manage my time so being able to manage so many different people that's one thing i'm i'm still having to learn how to manage my time because mm. you know when you care about people you also need to learn how to 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 love them but also put boundaries in place so that you can also manage mm. yourself own self-care. I've learned the importance of humility and I still learn that day-to-day because ultimately even though I pass to them and they learn from me I also learn from them Mm. you know and there's times whereby even as a leader you have to acknowledge that maybe you know I could have done something better we could have used another thing and and being able to apologize you know one thing that I always have to be able to take is criticism Mm. you know criticism because being a public leader you don't always get the nicest criticism, but you have to learn to deal with it. Um, and even though you don't get the nicest criticism, there's people who are around me, both friends and even people that I lead, you know, that that will offer criticism. And I have to be able to accept that in order for not only me to grow, for us as a community to grow yeah. as well. Because growth is not just with the people, I have to grow, mm. you know? I've also learned at the same time, the importance of being assertive with vision, because with vision, God gives me the vision. And mm. the thing is, is that people can also have their input and in how they feel it's supposed to be. But you also have to be at the same time while you're taking criticism, you have to be very stern. Be like, no, this is where I see us going and, and moving in that place. Um, people management, again, people management, having a vision of how to handle people. Um, also knowing what boundaries to put in place in terms of... Uh, Projects. Some projects just should go on for a small period of time. Mm. Some shouldn't go on for that long. So, being able to change, basically, embracing change. Some people have come to the church, they're not there anymore, and that's okay. Mm. You know, that's okay. But being able to handle the change is sometimes a challenge. But I've, I've learned so many things. I've learned the power of processing pain. pain. Oh, told me through that one. So, there's different kinds of pain. There's the pain of discipline, mm. you know, where you have to handle. Doing things that you don't feel like doing. Sometimes I don't always feel like preaching. You know, sometimes mm. I don't feel super spiritual, but sometimes you have to recognize that listen, it's not about me, it's about the people, it's about God. Yeah. And go beyond that. I'm, you know, I, I recently lost, you know, my dad passed away last year. So that was a challenging time. Mm. And I'm grateful that I had a time to rest, but that's still something that I have to be able to process, you know, um, in the midst of encouraging others. Um, then there's the pain of disappointment you know where sometimes when people you lead those very same people and you encourage and build them but sometimes they may say something or do something that was quite hurtful or harmful mm. whether intentional or not. and being able to handle that and love and continue on and protect you know mm. um these are the kind of pains they the pains of of people making choices that that they shouldn't make even though you've advised them that can be a difficult pain when you see the consequences so it's, it's not an easy thing, but one thing I've learned about pain is that it can convert to power, Mm. it can convert to empathy, it can convert to experience as well, you know, so um, it it definitely has grown me as a person, I'm still growing, I'm still learning, you know, uh, about myself, but I think uh, it's, there's nothing like it, because you see people grow and change, and you know the church that how it is now after four years is not the same church that met in in the ymca 20 people mm. so, so many things and i'm still learning leadership you you, you have to with every stage of growth and uh, kind of people there's different kinds of leadership one side doesn't feel
0: mm. one of the things that you kind of touched on there which i, I kind of want to just kind of get your thoughts on is you said you talked about your your father passing away How did you kind of manage that? You said you took a break. How did you manage that? Especially when you're trying to lead people. You talked about processing pain, but you still kind of got to do what God is calling you to do in the midst of that. So how did you manage
1: that? That's a great question. I think that 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 was, that's probably one of the most difficult experiences I've had in in my life. I think anyone would probably would say that for themselves. It's one of the most difficult experiences. So it's a very painful thing and a quite shocking thing. Mm. At the same time, you know, um, it sounds a bit odd, but, you know, I was going to preach the Sunday. I was like, guys, this is a, it, um, you know, it happened on a Thursday. I was like, you know, I'll, they were like, are you actually okay, right? Like <laughs> Apostle, just, <laughs> like, but um, my senses kind of, you know, not even senses, but that that kind of being in functional mode, being responsible for yeah, people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I had to just take a minute because this is, you know, this has affected me and my family. So I took the time. But in terms of dealing with it, one of the things I learned from having that time off was even though, you know, I've been leading the church and and doing, you know, doing um, ministry, you know, for a few years now, Mm. um, when I took the time to rest, God began to show me certain things about me that I didn't really notice until I took the time to rest Mm. and I think those things were helpful not just for me but also for the people that I was leading as well wow for example some of them were not used to seeing me weak not or be me you know I'm I'm the leader so I'm the strong one I'm Mm. the one who you go to but right now the pastor needs some time off because he's going through something you know Mm. so that was a humbling thing for me and then also you know when people ask me how I'm doing um, it wasn't that I was just I was just uh, loose but I wasn't okay I was hurt you know Mm. I was hurt you know God was keeping but I was hurt I was angry there was different things that were happening within the family that was just was painful to deal with so I had to be honest and it brought me to a level of honesty that I think that I didn't even know I I needed to get to wow and also the people needed me to get to and I I still need to get there to be honest but I think one of the things that I learned from that experience is you know when, when there was other people preaching, the church was fine. And it was a, it was a testimony that <laughs> it's supposed to be good leadership when the church is fine when you're not functioning. Yep. But as powerful as it was, I was feeling like, oh, but I'm not I'm not preaching. I want to preach. Really? So God actually showed me that there were certain, dare I even say, it, insecurities. And I'm not telling you five years ago, I'm telling you last year, you know, insecurities that I thought I'd overcome, but you know, when you're in ministry and when you're known for doing a certain thing, it can subtly connect your esteem to that. So, mm. me taking the time off um, actually helped me to rediscover parts of me that I kind of didn't know were, were missing. It helped me to rediscover parts of me that I needed a bit of attention. And so then, you know, funny enough, when some people didn't know how to react, so some people didn't know, some people knew how to react, some people didn't know how to react. To me, so some people didn't contact me, some people did, and I don't even blame them. But at the time, at the time, because of where my emotions were, I felt a level of bitterness at times. You know, this guy hasn't contacted me. I'm just, just to be transparent, I felt things, and and it wasn't to blame the people. It was just God was showing me a level of forgiveness I need to have. Also, as a leader, when people don't know how to respond to you when you're in a place of vulnerability as well. Mm. and then at the same time going back to what I said I also had to um rediscover some things and what's powerful is that when I did come back into preaching again and I started to have conversations people kind of noticed that there was a greater level of I suppose authenticity that I had a greater level of openness that I had and um I think that that helped them even more Mm. so yeah to not only relate with me but also to understand how to deal with life challenges because I was thinking about dealing with the situation, not just as Emmanuel, but also as a leader. Like there were times where honestly, because of some of the injustices that are taking place behind the scene, I felt like shouting, I felt like cussing. I felt like, you know, and not necessarily swearing, but you know when you want to just tell someone about this. I felt (laughs) this kind of thing. I'm glad that I didn't react the way that my flesh was telling me to, Mm. but I think that what helped the people who I was leading and the people who knew me is that they could see that I was also being in their words, a, a bit of an example in the process of grief, mm. that it was okay for me to hurt, to to cry, to be angry, but not, not to react in a way. And and those who knew the stories and things that I was dealing with had a great level of respect. So that, that's that's what's been been you know my experience of it, and I think that that's contributed to me being able to I suppose lead in this kind of style that I've been, I've been leading in. And
0: what's amazing about what you're talking about is. God took the pain that you're going through to teach you so much about yourself, even stuff you felt you'd already overcome. Yeah. You had to go to a deeper level to then, yeah. when you did come back, not just for the people, but for yourself.
1: Yeah. 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 I think you know one of the things that the Bible says is that anyone who thinks you stand, let them take heed. Yeah. You know, no matter what level, you know, position doesn't mean protection. And no matter what level or influence or rank or whatever you want to call it, we are still Christians, and mm-hmm. I still have to you know, learn Christianity and walk in that Christian walk. So, but I think when you're in a position of leadership, there's a lot of eyes on you. So, it, that you you know you increase responsibility, but you lose rights. Mm. You know you lose the right to react. You, you lose the right to you know. So that it can be more difficult because you're a goldfish in in a bowl. But at the same time, just because that's the case, there's still not an excuse. And it was that kind of harsh reality that even though I may feel like responding in this way, I don't have the right to. Mm. And that really challenged my faith because I think in situations like that, when it comes to pain, it, it really does you know, ask you, you know, where is your faith on? Um, so that that's that was one of my experiences.
0: So what advice would you give to, you know, someone who is either in leadership, going into leadership, especially, especially leading the church? And then what advice would you give to people who are, going into a season of having new leadership or a congregation mm. of people, just two sets of advice for the leadership okay. and from the congregation.
1: What, what I would say for a person who's coming into leadership, leadership is like a shoe that doesn't fit you. It's mm. something that you have to grow into. You, you, you're growing into it day, day by day and you need to give yourself space to grow space to learn space to make mistakes you need to be able to take feedback um no matter what form it comes in make it to take use of it it's difficult but it's it's, it's helpful mm-hmm. um you need to respect that there is um a process it doesn't happen daily i love john maxwell he says leadership doesn't happen in a day it happens daily mm-hmm. you know so being prepared to grow be a student no matter what level you're at be a student um i think it's also important to recognize that um, authenticity inspires trust. The more authentic you can be, the, the more uh, trust you can accommodate or you can gather from the people that you lead um, in your community. I think you need to also be a student of your experience. Everything you go through, be a student. What can I learn from it? How can I grow from this? No matter how difficult it is. Um, in terms of someone who's gonna be a, a leader of a community, Leadership is literally that, it's influence. Mm. So you may have the position, but that doesn't, you know, position gives you the right to lead, but it, that it just gives you a season to display real leadership. Just, just because you have a position does not make you a leader. Yes. Leadership is, You know, trust, authenticity. I recommend if you're gonna be leading a congregation, you need to take time to really learn your congregation, learn the people, learn them. Don't assume that because you have the position that they trust you. They follow you because they have to at this point. Mm. But, but they will follow you because they want to, if you invest in them, never be too anointed to apologize. I think Mm, that's one of the most important things. That's good. Um, Be be anointed enough to recognize. And it's difficult, you know, even today, you know, I still reflect on how I can improve, how I can learn and, and things like that, but it's worth it because there's a level of connection that you want to have with your people that, it's beyond your position. You're no longer just leading them in terms of the position, it's life now. Mm. And there's a thing called reverse mentorship where some of the people that you may lead may be so skillful in areas. There's people in my church that are so skilled in areas that I'm not skilled in. Mm. Being humble enough to recognise that leadership does not mean that you're ahead because you're better in everything, Mm. but it's because you know how to utilise things that are around you. Mm. And being humble enough to recognise that and honouring those people is so, so important. So I think that any leader who's new um, you gotta be committed to education and commit to those things, and be willing to 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 build trust over a period of time.
0: No, that's good. That is a that is amazing advice. Amazing advice. What would you say to someone who is maybe not a leader, but they are currently in the congregation, kind of looking up to this new leader? What would you kind of say to them in terms of just just small piece of
1: advice? Yeah. I- I would say that you know it's really not as easy as it looks. Sometimes when when you see someone leading, it's so easy. I promise you, it's easy to look and be like, you know, they should have done this and that and the other. But just consider the fact that that the leader may have a hundred different people, two hundred, depending on the size of the congregation. That 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 they're responsible for. There could be other voices that they're still responsible for. There's various dynamics that they have to have to account for. Mm. Um, and and th- there needs to be a level of grace. I think that what you can do as a as a new as a new member or as a, congr- a congregant is to ask for feedback of how you can support. So there's clear expectations. Mm-hmm. What does the leaders? What do they need from you? What's the expectation? What does it look like practically? Um, so that you can know their expectations, and then from that you can also say, you know, communicate your your desires mm-hmm. in an appropriate way. Get around him or her or them. support pray for them because honestly um there is a distinction i've been a member of a church i've also been a part of a leadership team and being in this position now there's a difference between being a leader in the church and a leader of a Mm. church so they're gonna take a lot of things that you may not necessarily see Mm. i encourage you to pray for them any criticism you have offer some compliments encourage them give them feedback because you know it's such a helpful thing to know the states or the relation that you have with the people that you are you are leading.
0: That is great advice, and the reason why, even though I said it's for you know new leaders and people who are going to be a congregation to, for a new lead to a new leader, that applies to anyone. That advice yeah. that you just gave that you just gave may reignite something in someone who has potentially lost that that fire to kind of especially from a congregational a congregate perspective to kind of look into themselves to kind of not judge their leader for you know seeing them as kind of you know perfect or every little mistake that they make oh they did this so I'm not going to come this Sunday or I'm not going to listen to them preach when they do this there's 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 a real when what you said won't just help those who are new it will help those who have lost that fire that need that reignition if that makes sense
1: so that's why yes, with that 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 type of advice yeah no i'm I'm with you it's such a it's such an important thing you know i i remember a time when i was um a part of a church and there was something that my pastor did and um because i was close with him i was i was quite offended you know i was quite offended i didn't communicate it and that's another thing communication i didn't really communicate it Mm. Um, and i left the church i left the church and i remember telling God that, you know, I'm going to leave. And, you know, I remember the Lord speaking to my heart, like, you need to go back to the church. Like, I, I, I was criticising my pastor. <laughs> it was actually me. <clears> then <throat> I read this book called The Bait of Satan. That book finished me. Mm. It's by a man called John Bevere. It's about unforgiveness. God showed me how critical I was. Um, and he actually, you know, I'm so grateful I learned that lesson because that was my training phase. Mm. Now I'm in, a, I suppose, a reigning phase now. I see when people react to things that maybe I do or other leaders do or not necessarily in my church, but things that people may do, their partners, their friends, their parents. And I say, listen, you sow now, you reap later. Mm. Think about how you, you respond. And ultimately when you give that kind of grace that you want to receive, you definitely do receive it in a, in a powerful way. Maybe from the same person. But mm. you definitely." Re-
0: now what I want to kind of speak about, because you, sp- you spoke about you know your father earlier, but You've been recently featured on BBC News, you know, in the Birmingham Mail, you've been having your your IG lives. But what kind of fueled you to kind of start talking about, you know, the COVID-19 vaccine? What kind of made you be so vocal about it?
1: It was one of those things where I didn't plan this. It was something where, you know, as probably yourself, you have conversations with people around you about Mm. it. But I just really feel that God catapulted me into the conversation because I was invited to a roundtable discussion with some members of parliament Mm -hmm. to share about about it you know what our thoughts were in terms of issues in the community and you know the uptake and whatnot and then you know there was different reporters on that zoom and then one of them literally you know asked me if I could be interviewed and you know I was interviewed and then there was several others and then by the time I knew it you know this was this was on 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 the BBC it was Mm. on this I've been contacted by pretty much you know most of the um the big uh you know media um, outlets yeah and um I was praying and I was I was I was even you know, God do you want me to be doing this? And I mm. had peace about it but I also recognized that when you start to communicate about this it's gonna have its own backlash. And so I have had some backlash and I've had some responses where you know people I can imagine being paid by the government or that I'm doing this and that. And, and I think because the way that he was portrayed is that maybe I'm trying to coerce or urge people, but ultimately what I've been trying to do is just share information. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't my plan, but I do sense God really being involved in this because the amount of hope that people are getting, people are receiving ministry, you know, in on my Instagram and messages, mm-hmm. you know, there's things happening behind the scene, which is opening the door to preach the gospel. Um so it wasn't something that I would have thought I would be talking about or be involved in in this way mm. but again because of obviously my, my dad passing away and the connection between it it seemed as if people have been more inclined to listen to, to what I have to say so I've been really prayerful that Lord I am here it's not about me whatever you want me to say and do I'll, I'll, I'll say and do it if I don't get a good response fine if I get a good, it's, it's not really about me at this particular time mm. but that was really the main thing and I, I found that there is a lot of mistrust, a lot of fear right now. So yeah. if God said something to me that was really quite profound, he said, um, I said, God, why do why should I do it? And he said, He said, Emmanuel, the um the reason why I want you to do this is because the silence of some of my people is deafening. Mm. And that hit me because I was thinking, Wow, I know that some church leaders are speaking about this, but it really opened my eyes to the need for the church to really talk about things that are controversial. Mm. And I, I just felt that that's what God is saying for me to just try and represent in whatever capacity I can, so that there's a representation for the church and again, you know, for for I suppose the culture as well.
0: Yeah, us in, in terms of African Caribbean society, there's we there's a lot of things that go about go around in terms, you know, the COVID nineteen vaccine. You get the WhatsApp nurses, the WhatsApp nurses and doctors who want to send this misinformation. It does this. It does that why do you think we as a you know as you said as a culture and and even as a church because even in the church we were very skeptical some people say if, if you get the vaccine you know it's going against what god's asking you to do and all we I've, I've heard everything i've heard all these types of opinions why do you think we're so skeptical about the vaccine
1: mm. well just just from the church's view you know, mm. one of the biggest topics that this is connected to is eschatology you know mm. the study of the end time and you know when you look in the bible galatians chapter um five <clears throat> i think it is um mm-hmm. talk about one of the works of Fletch, which is witchcraft when you translate that word witchcraft is pharmakeia mm-hmm. you know you have um you have uh, uh revelations i think it's like 1823 it says that mystery babylon you know she had deceived the people with her sorceries you translate mm-hmm. that word sorceries it means pharmakeia that word mm-hmm. pharmakeia is where we have the word pharmacy mm-hmm. and so that there, there's this, been this underlying thing between the church and medicine for a long time. Mm-hmm. But the thing is that when you look at the origin of it, that 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 pharmacia or pharmacy, when they did their worship of idols, they used different um, potions. And it still happens now. We still mm-hmm. have witch doctors. Things like that, potions and divination, and things like that. So the church's connection to it and interpretation of it has always been a contested thing. Yeah. Now I don't believe that if you have paracetamol, then you are inviting the spirit of Famkeia. Do, do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, but I get you. What the issue is is that people interpret end times um, in light of the local prophecy. So the church has been guilty. Uh, many times of saying, oh, well, you know, 2000 is the end of the world. You know, mm. there are different denominations saying that, you know, the television is evil, the electric guitar is evil. Yep. You know, women wearing trousers. You know what I mean? It, how far do we want to go? So in terms of the church, this issue is connected to people's faith and interpretation of end times. Mm. At the same time, our interpretation of end times can either make us lazy in mm. terms of involving ourselves in affairs of present life, or it can make us get on and, and, and address it. Mm. If you feel that, listen, Jesus is coming back. Let's just leave it and stay exclusive. Then that's going to be how you handle issues in community. Mm, but if you're, back, listen, we are people who are here to initiate, <clears throat> you know, the Bible says <clears throat> in um, Genesis one, that the light <clears throat> shall be for signs and for seasons, mm. you know, and that we're the light of the world. That means that we are the ones that should be initiating seasons and things like that. So, I believe that school of thought, that mm-hmm. we are the ones who should be influencing and addressing things because there needs to be a representation. We may not all be the leaders or the business owners, but yep. we need to be a voice in these prayers to share. Um, if it's not God's commandment in terms of what he says expressly, mm-hmm. it should be a concession, advising people to make you know the choices. So that's one thing, eschatology. Another thing is because there is i think a general fear i think people are, are fearful of say, sharing their opinion because there is censorship that is going on like mm-hmm. it's actually i think there is genuine <clears throat> censorship of things you know because there is also fear not just in the people there is also fear of the government as well yeah. where they may be thinking that anything that is and that even seems like anti-vaccine needs to be shut down mm. um some some Reasons why why black people, especially black people, are not taking it is because of the historic injustices that have taken place. You know, mm-hmm. both both in Africa, even in America. You know, um, one of the most recent runs that people in Tuskegee. Uh, project that that experiment is, is is available. People can see it's it's real. It did happen. Mm. So we have the historical trauma of injustice with Black people. George Floyd. We have law enforcement and mm. racism. So why wouldn't there be queries mm. about racism, prejudice, and medical or healthcare? Mm. So it's, it, it's, there are real reasons, and but there also is there is misinformation. There is genuine things that are going out there. Some yes, l- long you know, voicemail, message. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. There's, There is some conspirator. There is people that are, like, chopping down, you know, um, these electrical posts, you know, because of this kind of stuff. So it, it, there's a lot of things. There's a lot of reasons, you know. Um, and then, again, some of the things with, with the government, you know, it's never happened before. Yeah. same time, when you have lockdown that's put on and put off, put on, put off, People start to question, you know, if you're putting lockdown on and off, mm. people are dying. Are they no longer dying anymore? Mm. So people get confused, and they, that that mixed messages breeds suspicion. What's going on, guys? Mm. And so because there has been there hasn't been full um, uh, openness from government in certain things, that's also fed into the whole thing. So for me, these are some of the reasons why, you know, people are not trusting people are hesitant so what advice would what advice would you give
0: to people who are you know hesitant fearful all this misinformation that's going on obviously we're looking at the government and we're saying hold on we was locked down in march 2020 it looks like we're going to be locked down in march 2021 like yeah. it's all these kind of things that go on what kind of advice would you give to those people in regards to the covid vaccine and you know getting the right information around it
1: yeah start i mean starting from starting from a, a christian uh, standpoint as a believer mm. you know life is short and you know ultimately you know like because life is so short you know tomorrow isn't promised you know mm. we we are confident that we have an eternal hope in Christ and so for anyone who's listening you know I would say to you that if, but whether you have the vaccine or not the first thing is, is where is your hope eternally because ultimately mm. everyone is going to have to have a funeral service, you know, and with us, we have faith in Christ, He's an eternal promise, and we can know Him now. That's the first hope I'd offer people. In terms of moving into the practicalities, I would say to people fundamentally, um, where is your education coming from? Mm. You know, can you spend a bit of time personally <clears throat> to gather resources? Go on the NHS website, speak to the um the there's a, a united community of of doctors i can't remember the name of them but mm. there's doctors who have done you can check it out on youtube have done an analysis of the virus and also of the the vaccine it's it's thorough mm. you know um and they 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 you know and they're black as well especially if it's people who are black and they're hesitant so you know they have got extensive research that will help you satisfy some of your questions. I think they need to ask their GP some questions. They need to ask the NHS some questions, even calling them up and asking questions. Mm. Uh, I think that they should take a list of some of these things that are, whether they feel like conspiracies or they feel like they're factual and present this information so that we can have it debunked, Mm. you know? I think ultimately there should be a need to be practical about keeping yourself safe as well. Like, you know, don't just say that, you know, you don't believe in it or it's very real you know, exercise, you know, taking even if it's 30 minutes a day, eating healthy, is a good opportunity. That's why I've been trying to exercise, you know, like that was one of the things that helped me, especially emotionally, with mm. why exercise. It's a good release. You know, mental health is a big thing as well. You need to yeah. be keeping your active. We're not designed to be in the house. Um, I think even though you can't be around friends and family as much as you would like to because of lockdown. Plan fun, like plan engagements, plan relationships, meetups online, Mm. like plan those things so that you don't be isolated because it's so easy to get into a place of isolation. And when you're in a place of isolation mentally, that's when you can start to aggress, you can start to overanalyze things, you know, Um, and be open minded, be practical in this. What if I'm wrong? Mm. What if, what if, what if I don't have all the information? That's the standpoint I have to take daily because we don't know everything. And I think if you have that, that will help reduce the level of tension. Hmm. And then also, the question is, is that what is the main problem? Some people, their issue is not even the vaccine. It's some historical racism that they've had. And no matter what you tell them. And I'm not saying that there is is racism. There's genuinely racism. It's real. At the same time, I am a black man. Mm -hmm. I ultimately am a Christian first. Mm -hmm. I'm a black man. But then also, I don't see myself, and I don't want to sound odd, I'm black, my skin is black, and I'm not ashamed of it, but I also don't see myself as a victim. Mm. And I think that I I cannot allow myself to see myself as a victim. Otherwise, people can try and victimise me, but I will not see myself as a victim because that victim complex can create a barrier to entry into moving forward in my purpose, my destiny, my lifestyle. So these are the kind of things that I would recommend people to be doing to, to move forward. And uh, what I hope from... The the great advice that you've given is that people
0: take that and run with that advice in terms of finding the information, understanding for themselves, not relying on, you know, group chats or relying on what this person said in in the news, but really taking the time, as you said, for themselves to find out what is really going on, information behind it, and then they can make a decision backed with the information that they required initially. Does that make sense? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Definitely. And I think there's got to be space for disagreement. Mm. There has to be space. You know, when someone says, listen, I'm not taking that, or someone says I'm taking that, I'm not even, the platform that I have is not even to 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 do anything else but to share information. Because I feel that once you have that, the knowledge of truth is the introduction to responsibility.
0: Mm.
1: You're now responsible. You're now responsible. You know, and that's the way I've been approaching it.
0: I want to move away from that for for a minute, and I want to talk about you know professionally because you talked about at the start. You know, you did a masters in, in social
1: work. What kind of pushed you, or what kind of led you kind of going into that field? So I I did um once I finished my my undergrad, I did business psychology and business, and mm. then I did a um, work for years of youth worker and I loved working with people. I was I, the job was amazing. I worked for a Christian organization. We did youth worked in youth clubs. Mm youth clubs. I was responsible for a whole like district, but the hours were not sustainable. Mm. I would be work so long. So I wanted to work with people, but I didn't want to work late hours, and I wanted to engage because that's I think that's one of my uh, skills. Yeah. So, um funny enough, it was my mum. She's like, you know, why don't you do social work? Like, ah, social work, you know. <laughs> social, <work,"> you know. Then <laughs> you know, obviously, your mum advises you you're like, ah, but. I took time to think about it and examined some of the things that they did, and I thought this is actually, you know, social justice. You can challenge things. You could, and then applied for the the masters, got an unconditional offer mm. in that, uh, and then I got in. And as I got in, and I got, you know, worked. I've only worked in the fostering and adoption in area, mm. and I enjoyed it. I will be honest, I did enjoy it. You got to be a voice for a child. You got to get involved in families and advise them, and you know. It, it, it opened up it, it felt so natural mm. and i'm so glad because the knowledge of social work and working with people and all of the things that i've seen has been so helpful to pastor at church mm. because there's nothing that i obviously you know we see new things but i've seen so many things in social work that i you know that experience has helped me with with pastoring definitely and relationships so
0: What was the most surprising thing when you got into social work? What was the most surprising thing that you were just like, wow?
1: I think one of the things that I was surprised about was the issues that were going on in the society. Now, I started and I saw a a referral for a child coming into fostering, like Mm. a child being, and the child that was abused, there was this, that, and the other, and I'm reading it and I'm like, so I this is my first job, like the first week. And I saw my manager, I'm like, this is... Because you have to rate it on what level of risk it is. Mm. Medium risk, low risk or high risk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I put it as high risk. I'm like, this is all high risk. She's like, Emmanuel, no, it's not high risk at all. It's low risk. I said, can you are you are are you reading the same thing that <laughs> I'm reading? You're not reading. And you know what? I realised just from that how much is going on so now looking back it was a lot of risk because there's some higher risk things mm-hmm. one, of the, one of the things that that really really was was touching for me was when um there was a young person who i think he was about 15 years old and you know he was taken from like uh like sex trafficking um it was sadly a, a boy mm-hmm. um he was taken in and it was that hearing his story, like he's lost both of his parents and literally had to pretty much prostitute himself um, to get by because his particular people are looking after him. That's how they made their money, you know, and he worked in, um, he was promised to, to be like a, like a bar to work on like, you know, fish and chip shop Yeah, yeah, yeah. to do something like that, but in a more glamorous way, mm. he was brought in and he was a, he was a, you know, this is like 15 years old. I mean, he wasn't 15; wow. he would have been like 12 or so. But the story was so deep, and you know, he was saying it with not much emotion because he's had to. He's you know, he's had to just deal with it. yeah so, you know, and he he was applying for a, you know asylum seeker and all that kind of stuff. Um But that that was that was it was a bit difficult to to hear the story. You know, I can't. I, it wouldn't be helpful to say the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah, that's fine. You can you can picture. Yeah, the yeah, yeah. Of, and- and I
0: think everyone's kind of, you know, as you said, everyone can, that's listening, can picture what, you, what you're talking yeah. about.
1: You know, so stuff like that. It's it's, it's it's the transitions as well can be a bit of a surprise because when a child gets um, adopted, mm. the transition period can be between four days to like a week. You know, and if you imagine a child's been with you for maybe a few years and that transition from the foster carer to the adoption that adoption, uh, adopter, mm. that transition can take five days you know they can come into the house see the things then transfer the attachment and then the, the foster care that that's a that can be an emotional thing because that child has been with that family so that's a surprise i think one of the surprises is the caseload of the social workers yeah children social. they have got a high caseload i, I hear this a lot yeah i was a fostering social worker so my case was not massive um but their caseload was unrealistic. I mean it depends, you know, what what area of social work, but theirs mm. was really high, you know, it, it was high to be fair.
0: So how did you manage that considering you you went into social work, you you passed in at the time obviously not so much into new covenant ministries, then you go into new covenant ministries still doing kind of social work. How do you manage your space
1: Ooh. mentally
0: in all of that?
1: Yeah, that's a question. Even until today I wasn't even asking myself. You know, I I don't want to sound like super spiritual, but it really took God's grace because Mm. I started the church in 2017, but I worked as a social worker from 2015. Mm -hmm. The thing is, is that it really did put pressure on my time management. I mean, I had to, I'll be working in the daytime. And then I would go home, I'd do the Bible study, mm. then do some paperwork from work, I'd prepare for the message, i will be speaking to people. I mean, looking back, I'm like, wow. It was never going to be sustainable for a long time. Yeah, But I, I just thought that, okay, God, this is the thing that I'm doing. I need to plan a transition.
0: Mm. So,
1: Honestly, it wasn't easy. It really wasn't easy. I had I had some good friends that I could I could just say, listen, I'm tired. You know, I'm tired. Um, but but my why was what was propelling me. So mm. I think in the morning, having a good why, having a good reason beyond where you are. I think my manager, you know, my manager started to note because my manager's like, oh, you've written a book. Oh, you're you're a bit of a celebrity. Even then, and she's like, oh, you're a celebrity. I feel like I'm part I'm as a celebrity. And you know, it wasn't easy to balance because. Work was work, yep. and and then like the pastor really was what I my calling. This is something I do for free, mm. and as much as I enjoyed social work, I knew that social work was only going to be for a period of time. So, you know, my my I had to set a strategy that okay, I'm in this. I've got to give it as much as I can, mm. save money. I need to get a strategy and, and all that kind of stuff because I'm not going to be able to sustain this for the long run. But ultimately, the main thing was having my why was planning my gears so with the ministry I didn't do it full force I yeah. was doing a certain pace and I was focusing on building leaders have leaders people that can lead so that if i get tired or i need a time to rest or or even if i don't they can they can help bear the responsibilities so that mm. was my beginning and that's why I think for the church that you know've we, we've, we've still got you know developments but I feel that there is leaders that I can trust that are capable, hmm. you know, that was because number one, all glory to God. Number two, they themselves need to take credit for it. And I feel that the focus was to build leaders so that they could actually recognize that, listen, and that to me helped in the transition.
0: Hmm.
1: You know, that was a real big help.
0: So how do you transition into Excel housing?
1: Okay. So Excel, Excel, um, it's Excel Midlands. Um, Sorry, Excel Midlands houses. Um, so I, you know, I one of the things that I've always seen in my life is not just I don't see myself as just a pastor. I've mm. always seen myself as like someone who would be able to, you know, um, influence the community. I've always, you know, Bible schools, hospitals, orphanages. I've always, you know, wanted to not just be the the, the Christian who you pass through a church and you're kind of like isolate. You're not bringing solutions. So. Mm my vision has always been I wanted to have support and housing that can help people and property, but you know, housing that can support people. So 2018, I started, um, I got my, my first rent to rent. I took a risk and uh, rented uh, a property and then like a long-term lease. And mm. I didn't really even know that was like the name of the strategy. <laughs> <laughs> Cause the option was, the option was either I buy, like I buy one yeah. or, I do it this way. And I thought, you know, the amount of money that I'm going to need to like get the house into order. Let me just, let me, let me do the lease Mm. because at least I can, if it doesn't work the way I want it to work, I can just end the lease. Yeah. Come out. But you know, it was amazing because started 2018 and started to house some people in the house and okay, you know, I started to see the return of that. So that really inspired me that okay, this is going to be a help to transition into ministry as Mm. well. So, I was doing that at a certain speed, and you know what's so crazy is, um, I I left my previous job, and then I worked in an agency role. Yeah. Um, in school. And there was a situation where it, it's just, it's crazy looking back on it. There was a there was a child who you know was going to be adopted, mm-hmm. and the child made a request to be placed with um, a uh, parents from you know from uh, heterosexual. Mm-hmm. Um, the for some reason that was not listened to, and um, I'd asked the question, you know, why is it? And and uh, that that it erupted, and they felt like I was, I don't know, I think they thought maybe I was, I was colluding or, mm. they I to this or something, and they ended my contract. They literally ended my contract. They said, listen, and you know, I, you know, maybe, maybe. Um, I, and I didn't handle it aggressively. For asking, a, it, for asking for um, asking a question I, to,
0: to, to, to to what did what the the child had asked for? You asked a question
1: in regards to yeah. that. Yeah, and um, so the thing is, is that I know it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. Now this was the week. This was the weekend of our church's three year anniversary. So that week was wild. It was that that happened on the Tuesday, the Thursday. They said that you know. Th- that, so I asked them, you know, why why did this like it doesn't? I don't understand it. Are you mm. Ending my contract because I, you know, you, I'm challenging or questioning something. I'm not even telling you my view. I'm telling you what they said based upon the feedback that foster carers give us. Mm. For Some reason I, I, I just I, I think there was some political thing involved in that. Okay. And it is so obvious, you know. But I, I just I said, you know what? God, this is insane. This is insane. Because that year I was like, God, I know you calling me to to take some steps to get into full time ministry. Mm. Uh, the business or whatnot but lord how do you want me to i thought maybe it'll be like next year or whatever it didn't happen that way um so i was a bit annoyed because of the injustice but at the same time you know in that weekend we had the anniversary for my church but i did more for my business over that weekend than i probably did in a few months somehow i got the house full of tenants and then i was having another conversation with a landlord to you know the, the money to, to then have another um contract so by November, I had two houses. Um, one was full. <laughs> and then the next one, I was filling it up. Well, I was just getting it ready to be um, refurbished and whatnot. So, wow. and then, you know, my, um, some of my leaders were, was like, listen, you know, the, I, I said, it'll happen. And I was like, listen, you know, it's, it's, we, you know we, we know that you've been receiving a donation from the church to support you to an extent hmm. as the pastor, but you need to be put on a, an actual salary and you know from there we had the conversation prepared the church and it, it was always going to happen at some point yeah, but yeah, it yeah. was just the way it happened the timing it was mm. and, you know, and so from from september that's i've been in you know ministry full-time doing the business and you know and there's some opportunities coming up but i'm just working on so wow it, it, it was faith it you know the questions come to your mind but i thank god i thank god that I took the step because it's it's no greater feeling than to be focused on what you what you're called to do. That is
0: amazing. Like seriously, that whole week, because that Thursday, you must have been like,
1: huh? Let, let me let me let me <laughs> add to So that was a that was a Thursday. I was like, eh? And then obviously the conference is going on, it's about to go on. And I'm like, Lord, I need a word, <laughs> a word from God. So if you listen to the um the um the thing was called Get Out of the Camp, I think, 2020. Yeah. And then so my um, Some of the guys in my church absolutely love these guys. You know? they, they said, you know, uh, Apostle, can you come out with us? Let's go bowling or something like that. So on the Friday, I went out. Now, this is the thing. I went out on the Friday in the afternoon. We went bowling and just talked. They just wanted to like encourage me and just say, mm. listen, it's going to be okay. And whatnot. I get home, right? I get home. I open the door and my house is trashed. I go into the house. <laughs> And my laptop that the church bought for me um, was taken. There's also like a work laptop that I was taking as well. My house was broken into. They stole my laptop, stole my PlayStation. And, you know, I didn't even know because I, I, the door was open in the front door. Cause I was going to go into the house, get something and go to the other uh, the property. Long story short. I thought I heard a sound. I thought someone was upstairs. So I just called the police. I was going to go upstairs. You know, it's, you know, When <laughs> <of me>, like, <laughs> you could handle like, it. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Upstairs, and, and then the reason, sense come back to me. <laughs> Re- reason that like, it's not worth it. So mm. called the police. I told them that I think someone's in the house. It's been broken into. And I think their, their response, one thing I'll say about the police, their response time was rapid. I think they got there in five minutes. They got there in five minutes. Went in the house with tasers, draw. Went upstairs, cleared the whole house. There's no one there. But you imagine the first day before house is broken into. The Friday my house is first day before I lost the job. Friday, my house is trapped. So this is like Lord. I'm like God. If I'm not Job, then what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um, so it was just it was crazy. What? Some of my guys in my church are amazing. I told the, the guy who I was with him like two or three of them they come help me board at the house the forensic came I just had to learn or what I say, relearn just trust like the laptop that I need to be doing my business the laptop that I need to be doing it just mad but that's why I thank God because literally insurance covered everything they sorted it and the door everything was covered in fact I've got a newer version of my laptop <laughs> <laughs> you know so and you know I'm by God's grace making more than what I was when I was actually working so you know what that's why I'm like God however you want to do it mm. just do it
0: my next question was going to be with all that you've been through was it ever a time you felt difficult to overcome but after what you've been talking about I don't even know if that question is really <laughs>
1: relevant at this point in time no, I think it, I think it's a good question because I think um, that sometimes when people look, people can assume that you know maybe because of social media, maybe because maybe you articulate yourself mm. that there's no you were never maybe not confident, you never had to go through things, and that's just a lie because mm. you know, for me one of the things that what's was, was quite funny is that I wasn't able to really project my voice very well before I wasn't that confident. It sounds crazy. I know it sounds crazy but when sorry I you, I'll, puzzle,
0: I'm like,
1: I'll puzzle i'll pass. <laughs> you, you. i'll promise you she was because you say you talk from here you talk from here so yes i've had to learn um to speak better that's one thing mm. i think one of the things that um you know i think um overcoming overcoming obviously i've mentioned obviously my dad dad passing away is a big big thing i think um I think past mistakes. I think in my earlier years of ministry, you know, I had some, you know, you, you have scenarios where you have some I don't know moral failures where mm. you know you have a situation with a with a, a partner and you know you do things that are wrong and it's not that it's like proper bad, mm. but you know, when you're young, you know, like 18, 19, you do some immature behaviors. And I think that having to forgive myself from those things and move on, you know. Mm. Was, was a challenge because sometimes when you make mistakes in the past whether it be through pornography or through this and that and the other to accept that that's not who you are anymore mm. you know you can out of the action but sometimes the emotional impact of what you have done or what's been done to you so I think that accepting myself I did I think I had imposter syndrome mm. before, but imposter syndrome is like do I do I know, belong here yeah do I belong here you know do I belong here you know and I think that it was something that I had to really deal with at different stages of my life. I think definitely before I started the church, and I think there was a time probably like the second year in, probably just about the second, just well, year and a half, second year, like, like all this stuff is happening, you know, am I like, is me. Am I supposed to be? Wow. I know it sounds crazy, but these are the things, you know, um, that I've had to, and that's why I'm, I think it's so important to have like, Trusted people, yes, talk to God, but I think it's important to have trusted people. I've got some good friends, mm. you know. Some of my mentors really did help me with understanding why I was thinking that way. Um So now it may seem like I'm, you know, cool as a cucumber, <laughs> chill, but it's been a journey, man. Yeah, learning to, to 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 learn to be more authentic and to not necessarily try to try, you know, just to to be. But what I would say is that if you are going through something just know that you're going through something. That's Mm -hmm. what it is. You're going through something because you will always be coming. And I'm like, okay, this is what I'm learning now. What's it gonna be like next year? What am I gonna be like? So I'm I'm literally just trying to get feedback from people to try and improve and also to try and look at what other areas I can overcome so I can be a better version of me.
0: That is great. You've articulated it perfectly. And what you said as well is it's a journey. People may see what seems like the current result but they don't see the journey to get there and yeah. and this is why it's important for me to kind of have these types of conversations especially with 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 pers- with people like you you like a man like yourself where i see the the results of where you've got to and so, so do a lot of other people and they see what you produce and they see what the, the content that you create and they see how you preach and they see how you pastor, and they see how you oversee people and they see how you, you know, you are able to, as you put it, engage with people, but they don't see the progress, they don't see the journey, they don't see how you got to that point if that makes sense. They don't see the trials or the tribulations or the the mental aspects of of getting there. And I think it's very important to not only talk about those things, but to celebrate that you got through that journey, but celebrate where you are now, even though there's so much more to come. Does that make yeah. sense?
1: Yeah, no, it makes sense. That's why I love, I love to, you know, I felt it's such a privilege to be on, you know, what your show, what you're doing, because I think that these kind of conversations help people to understand that, listen, we're all at a stage of our life. Mm. And, we're all becoming and you shouldn't disqualify yourself or write yourself off. And I, I think that if I didn't start this church, I mean, I, I get messages at times and they were so encouraging from people, you know, I thank you for starting this church. I thank you for doing this, you know, where would I be? And I don't take the credit for it, but it just helps me to understand that, you know, if you got a vision, an idea or something, don't disrespect it. Don't despise small beginners. Mm. Take us. And one thing I would say is don't be afraid to make mistakes, man. Like. Mm. To be willing to make mistakes to make anything
0: mm. my last question which is what I ask everyone with where you are in life right now what advice would you give to yourself
1: as in right now for right myself right now okay um i would i would say to to myself to ultimately to keep focused mm-hmm. i would i would tell myself you know, I will tell myself, well done, you know, for some of the things that I have, have had to um, overcome. I would say, um keep seeking feedback. I think that's one thing that I need to keep doing because sometimes the more exposed you are to, to public eye or whatever, mm. you need to seek to improve because sometimes you can have people who tell you things that they think you want to hear. Mm. Um, I would say that I would I would just need to, to be bold about what I'm doing um, and to ultimately keep God first like don't because that's that's even how I've even got here in the first place to mm. keep God first um never make it about myself and to like to to, to rest I'll tell myself <laughs> sometimes I, I don't do that well and lastly I would say just to continue to 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 have fun to not not take things seriously in some mm. time joy that's what I say to myself
0: apostle I'm gonna call you apostle now I appreciate your time I appreciate us having this conversation and I know people are going to be blessed by what you said and I hope when you look back on this it gives you some sort of like encouragement for wherever you are in at that point in time in your life so I want to say thank you again for your time and this has been Conversation with H with Apostle Emmanuel Adaseko and guys we'll have more content for you coming very very soon